Hello and welcome back to Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Mike Freeman and today we are going to be in Romans chapter 15. Now let's just remind ourselves, we've been on this journey looking at the, the righteousness of God, how mankind lacked the righteousness of God, how the righteousness of God has been freely given in Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection, and now we get to walk in the righteousness of God. And uh, that, yes, that was a, a cameo from one of my children, my youngest, he uh he had to sneak into the video for just a minute. But Romans chapter 15, what we're going to see is this righteousness of God is meant to be displayed in our lives and our relationships with, the, with each other. And so that's what we're going to see in chapter 15. It kind of picks up with the same theme that we looked at yesterday with Romans 14. But let's jump in. Let's read the first few verses of Romans 15. Here's what it says. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So this begins by saying, if you are someone who is strong in the faith, if you have a conscience that is free in issues that are not clearly defined in scripture, we have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, to, to care for those who maybe have a stumbling block, or we could be a stumbling block if we exercise our freedom. And so instead of pleasing ourselves, we look out for and we care for others. Verse two says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. This is just, this is the, the Christian ethic in action. You and I, instead of pleasing ourselves, we look for the ways we can please or care for our neighbor, for our brothers and sisters. And then our example is, well, it's Christ. Christ did not please himself, but instead Christ, he took the reproaches, uh, our reproaches, uh, uh, the reproach of those who reproached Christ. He, he, he took the reproaches of others, the, the, uh, the persecution, the, uh, the frustration, the anger, the hate that was supposed to fall upon us. He took it upon himself. Verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. It's See, this, this Old Testament scripture that was just quoted, it's, it's making this, this great connection between the Old Testament and the New. And it's saying those Old Testament scriptures, they were written for us, not just for them, but for us, that through instruction and through endurance and through the encouragement of those scriptures, we might have hope. Verse 5, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another according to, or excuse, with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. This is saying that we all are to live in this harmony with each other, and it's a harmony that is in, a, it's in accord with Christ Jesus. It's, I am acting as Christ would toward you, and you are acting as Christ would toward me. Christ is the buffer between each other. We think, how would Christ want me to treat this person? And then how would Christ want me to respond to this person? He's the buffer. He's the standard. It says that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we are united together, we with one voice, we give glory and honor to the Father. Therefore, 
welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, this is a great passage, and this passage reveals an ancient way for our modern day. And this ancient way for our modern day is that we recognize that as Christians, especially in, in a local church context, the more we treat each other with the love of Christ, the more we respond to each other with Christ-likeness, the more we act like Christ toward each other, putting the needs, the cares, the concerns, and even the preferences of one another above our own needs, cares, concerns, and preferences. The more we mutually do this, what we end up doing is we end up being so unified together, we welcome each other as Christ has welcomed us, and this brings glory to God. And twice in this, these last two verses, the, the image is of God being glorified. And, and God is glorified by the way we care for each other. Well, this is such a simple, basic, ancient way for modern day, but let's, let's just boil it down. How has Christ cared for us? How has Christ cared for you? Well, Christ cared for me and he, Christ, he cared for, for you when he loved us so much that he was willing to take the reproach of mankind upon himself. He was willing to take our sins upon himself that he died and paid the price for our sin, was buried and resurrected. And so this is, this is the marching orders that now you have been given, that I have been given. We have been given the instruction now to care for each other, to look out for, way, look out for each other with Christ-likeness. Look for the ways that we can care for each other sacrificially. But let's, let's put to death our selfishness. Let's put to death our self-centered ways. Let's stop being so arrogant and prideful. This, this in a local church, this means that we don't gossip for each other or, or about each other. This means that we don't strong arm decisions in the church, but instead we're, we're looking out for one another. This, looks, this means that, that we are gentle with each other in disagreement. And we live in a culture where everyone wants to be just kind of like hard nose and they, they want to force their way in every situation. Listen, that's not how we act as Christians. Even when we have the truth, we have gentleness. We have grace. We have self-sacrifice. Now listen, this does not mean that we compromise on what's true. This does not mean we don't fight the good fight. No, those things are absolutely important for the Christian. But listen, we do this the way Christ did it. This means we, if I have a disagreement with someone... If someone is wrong scripturally, they're wrong in their teaching or in their life and in their practice. This doesn't mean I come in with a hammer. No, this means I come in gently, correcting with gentleness, challenging directly, but with gentleness and love, thinking about how this person in front of me, they are loved by Jesus. And even in that correction, I want to show them that love. This means that the ancient way for our modern day, it's a way of, of putting Christ between us and every other person we interact with. And we approach them saying, how can I love and care for them? This is the ancient way for our modern day. So today, I want, you to, I want you to observe your life. I want you to think about who am I gentle with and who am I harsh with? 
Who am I forceful with and who am I demanding toward and who are those that I'm caring for? I want you to ask the Lord to direct your thoughts, to direct your your actions, to direct your words so that you can live the way Christ calls you to live in Christ-likeness. This is our ancient way for our modern day.